At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Final hour of the nightcap here on Decent the Sports Betting Network. Got a lot going on here in the final hour. We'll keep you abreast of everything going on in Major League Baseball. Some West Coast baseball to keep you track of uh, really quickly. Angels trying to make something out of nothing here. Down 3 nothing because Steve Ciszek couldn't hold on to anything. 3 uh, nothing lead with a guy on first and two outs. We'll see if they can actually make something work here against Urban and the A's. And the other game that is underway, West Reynolds, still the same deficit here for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Bottom of the fourth inning, San Francisco 3-2 lead in L.A. Another late game. Uh, not really pertinent to any races here, but nevertheless, 4 nothing Arizona Diamondbacks point, yeah. here in the bottom of the six. Somebody besides our boy Merrill Kelly pitching well for the Diamondbacks. Yes. That being Caleb Smith, who has gone now six innings strong, just 76 pitches on the night. 4 nothing lead over the Buccos for the How Snakes. How could I forget such a such an, uh, a series with such weight? I know, with such the implications. The Diamondbacks, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Terrible couple couple finals, by the way, too. Mets and Cincinnati finally comes to an end here in 11 innings. Mets 15 to 11, five runs in the top of the 11th, and they get the job done. Houston over Cleveland. Cleveland kind of made it uh, very close here, but Zach Greinke gets a win, going five and a third. Presley on the save, four to three over the Cleveland Indians. St. Louis, 8-3, to three, despite the fact that Alec Mills and the Cubs took the money, St. Louis gets the cash here, 8-3 to three over the Chicago okay. Cubs. Um, Saturday night after the NBA Finals, was there a wrestling event of any sort? There was one last night. There was one last night. It was on Saturday then, right? Okay. No. Did you get to check in on the UFC Fight Night card? I certainly, I certainly did because I was watching... Uh, uh, my girl Misha Cupcake Tate, who right. I had bet, and obviously the entire market bet her because that's like old pro wrestling booking 101. You had the fighter she was fighting against, Marion Renault, who was right. 44 years old, uh, for on, a her, on <laughs> her way out the door. So, look, you got Misha coming back. She's popular. So you want to get her a win in her return, and, and they absolutely did. Wait, so Misha Tate gets you, it done. You mean, you, you mean to tell me that Misha Tate and Amanda Nunez is not the fight to make in, no, in Misha Tate's no, debut? No, you, huh? want, you want to build something up. You want to build Misha Tate and get her a couple wins in her return here, and they absolutely did that. And then uh, watching Makachev in the Man. main event, dominating Tiago Moises. Now, I want to see Makachev, though, and I think they're protecting him a little bit because he's Khabib's prospect. Well, I think they might be protecting him, but I think he's also, he's not the most attractive fighter in terms no. of drawing eyes. No. And I think that works against him to a certain extent because do you want another guy like Khabib at the top of this in terms well, of and then dominating you, this division with a, a relatively less, a less than pleasing aesthetic? And that's style. a very exciting division in its own yeah. right with Dubronx Oliveira as champion, Dustin Poirier now the number one contender. You've got uh, Michael Chandler. You've got Justin Gaethje. And these guys are in absolute firefights every single time. Conor McGregor, not a title contender anymore, but you can still make a fight with him and Nate Diaz that I think would interest some fans. So you've got a lot of exciting fighters in that 155 division, and unfortunately for Makachev, he is not one of them. Yeah, man, that was absolutely fantastic. A uh, fourth round submission of Tiago Moises for uh, Islam Makachev, and like you said, it was just it was calm, cool, collected. 
hey, I got five rounds to work right. this guy into whatever I want. I'm just going to wear him down until I get him in the area that I want to. Yeah, he's kind of a poor man's Khabib like yep. that. Khabib was so good. It was, you know, it was beauty and its brutality, I guess, because he would just take guys down and just smother them. And it's like, once he gets in top position, you've got nowhere to go. You're just trying to last, basically. Uh, arguably a, a better striker, too. Uh, moment of the card, though. This is great. I don't know if you caught this. So uh, Billy Quarantillo actually got a big win. He was a small underdog yes. over Gabriel Benitez. During the fight, they stop it because it looked like Benitez actually might have broken an orbital bone. Mm -hmm. And so they stop it. I think it was like the second round with about less than a minute left to go. They bring the doctor in, and the doctor's testing him and looking at everything. Eyes just swollen shut. And the doc the mics pick him up, and the doctor goes, you have a headache? <laughs> and like the guy, his eyes like swollen shut. He can it's barely like, see out of it's it. Like a, He's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm like like Doctor Nick from The Simpsons, where he where he gives you the operation and puts the leg on the arm and the arm on the leg. Do you have a headache? Like, no, I've just been getting my skull pounded in for the last two and a half minutes. Yes, I'm good though. Yes. I feel totally great. All right, final hour on the other side. Uh, William Hill, points for weekly contributor, is going to be with us. Get his thoughts on some uh, MLB futures. There's a wild one in there, folks. On here in the nightcap, it is Wes Reynolds. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Tim Murray. Man, Tim Murray, what a life, huh? Big Pat Connaughton fan, taking vacation. What do I got to do? We we get vacation, JBT? <laughs> Let's welcome in a man who never rests. William Hill, Points Red Weekly contributor. He'll say it to you later, but I'll say it to you right now. vcin.com slash subscribe. Will, what's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? You got my number. If you wanted to have a little pillow talk, you could have just called me or texted me, but I'm enjoying this. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> wow, look at this, huh? With a blazer, everything, making us look bad, buddy. Uh, all right, let's let's take a, We're going to talk some Major League Baseball futures, uh, but I mentioned you had a wild one, so let's just start. Uh, National League awards now, right? MVP, Cy Young, uh, potentially wide open with Jacob deGrom on the shelf. You know, I said uh, we will, right? The worrisome forearm tightness, never something you like to hear when it comes to a pitcher. So this opens the door for a lot of guys, and you think there is a shot to take on this board, huh? Yeah, Soto interests me. You know, usually guys go to the home run derby and you worry about them screwing up their swing. Soto actually had some interesting quotes where he was going to use the derby to get his swing back on track. If you look at his some of his trajectories, some of his contact, uh, a lot of ground balls, wasn't really lifting. Mm -hmm. And he, he had a nice performance in the home run derby, beat Otani, and it's really carried over. I think he had two home runs tonight. That's four or five since the All-Star break, since, since he's come back. He, he's really, you know, started to lift the ball, like like he said, like he intended to. Uh, like you mentioned, Acuna, not in the mix anymore. DeGrom, uh, unfortunately, as a, as a Mets future ticket holder, he shut down for the moment. I mean, it doesn't seem serious. The MRI wasn't showing anything, but but that's at least probably a few starts. You can probably take him out of the mix. He just, you know, he's been on and off, so he, he doesn't really have the innings to, to warrant an MVP vote in my mind. So, you know, I, I think Tatis would be the leader. But look, I mean, the NL East is... You know, not wide open, but it, it's it, it's up for the taking. If Soto can have a big second half, I think you know he he comes back into the mix here, and he's an interesting ticket to uh, at least take a look at here. Soto uh, West eighty to one before the injury to Jacob Degrom, and as we noted, a lot of these markets off the board, but eighty to one was mm -hmm. around that range, and you'd assume you get. A somewhat meaty price on Juan Soto. Well, and yeah, and you're also seeing a couple guys in the NL. I think some of the odds are shortening a little bit because 
this is, I guess, the time if you want to take a shot. If you don't take think Tatis or you think maybe the criticism, obviously, of his defense, because he's obviously dynamic at the plate, but he makes his fair share of errors. So maybe you're seeing like the Nick Castellanos, if, assuming he doesn't get traded. He's getting some action, obviously, Will on Soto. So uh, we shall see if maybe a long shot can still get through this time of year. Will, we were throwing around, so if we look at the other market here for Cy Young, again, if he's going to be on the shelf for a minute, the two names that suck out to Wes and I. So I've already got a Woodruff ticket at 15 to 1. The other that I wouldn't mind, again, if this market comes back up, you're still getting some, something on them. Zach Wheeler, like both of these guys have been absolutely out of this world. Yeah. Both guys have numbers that are really tied across the board that doesn't indicate any regression coming to any point. Uh, they have withstood, right, this whole uh, spider tack and, and well, excuse me, uh, spin rate decrease, all of these things. They've been consistent through that. I think if you are going anywhere else on this Cy Young board, it would be Woodruff or Wheeler. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe Gossman a little bit. Now, I, I really like Roger's stuff. I just don't think the innings, I think they're going to put him on an innings, innings limit world cap out. You know, otherwise, he'd be a guy I look at maybe going forward. But uh, probably the innings are, are going to catch up to him where they're going to cap him out at some point. So like you said, I think uh, Woodruff, Wheeler, and, and maybe Gossman would be guys to look at. Well, let me piggyback off that wheeler and go to a team here, the Philadelphia Phillies. And I went ahead and took a shot with them in the NL East here because it was not It was even before the DeGrom injury where it's like, you know, that's kind of just what happens to the Mets. They have guys that get hurt in terms of their pitching staff. We've seen it over the years with, you can go back about 15 years, Matt Harvey, Pedro Martinez, Johan Santana, Paul Wilson. These guys have all had injuries in the middle of the season. So now DeGrom, we'll see how long he is out. But the Phillies were a team I liked before the season in terms of overseason wins. They've been kind of consistently inconsistent so far under G. Roddy. But it seems like they're starting to play good baseball now. The pitching staff has been good. Not just Wheeler, but Aaron Nola has been good. Vinny Velasquez coming around. Is this a team you'd be interested in backing? Yeah, it is. And and I think this is this bet's good on its own. Part of it, it's a hedge for me. I was actually lucky to get lucky enough to get the Mets at fifteen to one to win the National League before you know, before they got Lindor, before the offseason. I think it was right around November, early December. And I got them to win the division. And I'm nervous with my Mets tickets because like we said, the De- Grom's down. Uh Lindor's out with an oblique. Those are tricky. That's probably a month injury. They're down Carrasco. He, he's on his way back, but they're still down, you know, Syndergaard. They're going to need to make a trade here. There's rumors here that they're going to go after either Bryant or Barrios or both of them. They need it because, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of hanging on for dear life. They've had a lot of injuries. They have Edwin Diaz, which is an adventure in, onto his own. I don't know if you guys saw the game just now that just ended. It was a wild game. I think 15 to 11 was the final. And they just play these crazy games. Man, yesterday, they, uh, yesterday, they're down 6 nothing. They win. The day before that, they're up 6 nothing. They lose. Today, they're up 3 nothing. Before you know it, they're down 7-3. It's just back and forth. So kind of a wild team. But I think the second half schedule is something to look at, too. They have a stretch where I think it's 25 games between Dodgers, Giants, and then the Nationals bookend it while the Phillies have an easier second-half schedule. And, and like you said, the lineup's pretty good. Nola and Wheeler, uh, they got some decent uh, decent bullpen, better than it's been in years with Alvarado and Bradley, or at least guys that can get you some outs at the back of the bullpen. I'm sure they'll be looking to make a trade too. So uh, you could have got him at 6-7-1 this weekend. I think after the bad weekend for the Mets, it's down to the 3 or 4-1 to one range. You know, these markets can vary. So as always, shop around, get the best number, and have multiple outs. Yeah, the, uh, the wild game, by the way, that uh, Will is referring to there, uh, where <laughs> Stallings, uh, Jacob Stallings, hits the grand slam 
to win it for the Pirates and expecting batting expected batting average on that of 0. 0.30. <laughs> uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. It was Diaz after the game because he points up famously. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, it's a fly ball. Go ahead and grab it. And it just kept carrying. Uh, this has been a wild week uh, for the New York Mets. All right, so let's go from there to uh, the AL East, William. And I have a ticket. I bet this like two months ago, maybe a little bit less than that. I got plus 275 on the Rays to win this thing. Uh, They are now sitting about a half game back from the Boston Red Sox. You do not like either. Give us the assessment of a team that you're taking a shot here that's a little behind the gap in terms of the race for the AL East. Well, this might be a bad night to put down the the Red Sox and prop up the Jays because they got destroyed tonight. That game was 10 or 11 nothing in the first or second inning. A lot of weird scores tonight. Nationals were up 18 nothing. A lot of runs being scored Tigers. this weekend and tonight yes. in particular. Yeah, the Tigers. My goodness. I uh, I had the first five under in that one. It was 2 nothing. bottom fifth, one out. I think it was an 0-2 count. I was feeling pretty good. And before you know it, 3 nothing, 4 nothing, 6 nothing, And they just, they just kept piling on. But this is a fate of the Red Sox. I like the Jays here. I just think... Uh, the the Red Sox are really a candidate for regression. I'm just not a believer in that pitching unless they get sale back or unless they make a big-time trade. Eovaldi's pretty good. Rodriguez is decent. After that, it's really just a mixed bag. Uh, since the crackdown of the FIP, they've really been a uh, – uh, since the crackdown of the substances, they've really been like a bottom third team in terms of the FIP. Uh, so the pitching's really not good, and I just don't think you can hold up over 162 with, with mediocre pitching like this. So I'm looking to fade them. There's really not a whole lot of value with the Rays at the moment. At you know, basically the again these these lines vary, but you know, plus a dollar thirty, minus a dollar thirty, they're right around a pick them. So I think if you ch- take a chance on the Blue Jays, you know, the offense is obviously elite, dynamic, whatever word you want to choose, and they have the ammo in the farm system to make a trade. I, you know, I don't know who's going to be out there. I don't know if Scherzer's the guy that's going to be on the move. Maybe they're in the mix for. Bur- but uh, if they can add a pitcher they, or, and some bullpen help, which they desperately need, I think they can make things interesting and, and they're worth a play here. Well, let me ask you about the Yankees here because we're so used to them oh. being buyers at the deadline, but really not the last couple years. And now it's uh, the Suns. It's not daddy where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, go out and get a, a big tax player here. The Yankees aren't necessarily doing that. Hank Steinbrenner and his brother kind of have the alligator arms a little bit when it comes to spending the purse. So we don't know what the Yankees are going to do. It might be that they stand pat. I don't think that they're ever necessarily going to be sellers because I don't think that's going to go well in the Bronx. But this brings me not only to that team, but the AL Cy Young, Garrett Cole, still a very small favorite, about twenty. And the two boys from the south side of Chicago right on his heels. Carlos Rodon, 2-1. to one. Lance Lynn, 4-1. to one. We were kind of saying, maybe this was going to be a regression the second half of the season. We have not seen it so far. Lance Lynn didn't get a decision tonight, but did go 7-strong in that opener with the Twins. So, would you be looking to dodge Garrett Core? Do you think he's done enough where he's just the prohibitive favorite at this standpoint? Well, this is where these books get tricky because they'll give you a minus 110 on Cole, but they won't let you bet the no. I mean, if I could bet the no, if you could give me the field, I would take the field. But uh, it doesn't work like that, which is why we're sometimes at at a disadvantage as a better. So, I mean, it's Cole's award to win. If you gave me Cole or the field, I'd probably take the field just because, look, I mean, performance, injury, there's a lot that can go wrong. Uh, In terms of who would step up and win it, I mean... I don't know. Maybe you just take a unit and spread it along the Bassett, you know, Barrios, Robbie Ray is a guy who's pitched really well. I don't think Bieber's pitched enough or pitched well enough to probably win this award. So maybe you just shoot for the stars here and just take a few guys that are way down the board and, and maybe Cole, you know, 
misses a few starts or, uh, or or has some some poor performances. And what you're saying about the Yankees is interesting. I do think they'll add a piece or two. And it's interesting because you know if they don't make the playoffs, is Cashman around next year? And how does that affect his uh, his approach here? He said, you know what? If I'm not going to be around, it's like the Stanley Van Gundy trading for Blake Griffin. It, you know what? Might as well just make the move because if it doesn't work out, I'm not going to be here anyway. So adds an interesting layer to it. The the Magic Johnson, right? The shake in the head. I'm yes. not going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, let me ask you, there is, there is a correct answer to this question. So let's hopefully, hopefully yeah. you get it right. Who is the best yeah. team in the American League? The American League is the Astros, I believe. Correct answer. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Expand. Yeah. yeah. Just a deep lineup. They kill lefties. Uh, you know, I mean, they're just a deep team, a, a better rotation than you would think. I mean, Grinky's the veteran, but the, some of those young arms are pretty good. They're just, they're just really good. I mean, it, I mean, we, it's it's fun to hate them. We all hate them, and rightfully so. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, Rojas got suspended two games for excessive arguing for the Mets manager. None of the Astros sat out a game. Nobody got punished. I mean, it's just a joke. But that's a really good team. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the NBA before we get you out of here. Uh, you are a handicapper of the association, so. Get your thoughts. The Bucks, the last three games, of course, win them all, have dominated within four feet of the basket, have got out and run. The takeaways from the last three games and what you expect coming up tomorrow. I think this time tomorrow night, Middleton, Holiday, and Booker will all be teammates for the Olympics. I think this is probably going to be over. Uh, Phoenix is a team. Look, if they won a round, if they played, you know, got to game six in the second round coming into the year, it's a great year. It's just they, they've kind of, had everything fall the way between LeBron not being healthy, Davis getting hurt, the Nuggets were a walkover. You know, the Clippers, they were in control. They didn't have Kawhi, so the Suns were in control that whole series. They haven't faced adversity, and they are walking into a buzzsaw tomorrow against a Milwaukee team that's, you know, a little better than them, bigger than them. They figured some things out, and that building is just going to be tough to survive. You know, if they can survive the first 8, 12 minutes and, you know, be down a couple points and, and not get blown out, they got a chance, but man, I just got a feeling they're walking into a buzzsaw tomorrow. So I like Milwaukee. Will, are you looking anywhere on the total here? We saw on Saturday, obviously, this got adjusted way too low at about 218, I think was the closer on Saturday night, obviously, easily goes over the total in game five. Now you're seeing 222, some 222 and a halves out there as well, including a couple places out here, South Point, William Hill Caesars, and the like. So do you think that this is going to continue in terms of this has seemed to be an over-series by and large? Yeah. Do you think that's going to continue here tomorrow night? Probably probably going to stay away because I came in thinking it would be an under-series. You know, the Suns, the Bucks, neither team gets to the foul line a lot. Both They've been the two best teams in the playoffs defensively coming into the year. The Bucks actually had a lot of moments in the playoffs, you know, against the, the Hawks, and that's where the offense was ugly, but the defense was always great. The offense has been great in these finals. The, the net rating on offense has just been through the through the roofs. Uh, the Suns actually, which is scary for them, they shot lights out from three the other night, still couldn't win the game. So probably a stay away from me, but I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see another over. Yeah, William Hill, you can follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. Will, uh, Will thanks for Where are you guys at? Do we get a game? Game seven tomorrow or no? And what do you guys think? I think we're in agreement. I think, uh, I yeah. think all three of yeah. us are in agreement here. Uh, this is going to be uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo's first Larry O'Brien, and he's hoisting it uh, tomorrow. If yeah. Greg Popovich has anything to say about it, maybe he get places a little call. It's like, I need some bodies over here in Tokyo. Hey, real quick, actually, that's that's the national jumping off point. Before we get you out of here, what I was going to ask you, you getting involved, you and I tweeted a little bit about it yesterday. You getting involved in the U.S. Olympics once it gets started, basketball? A little bit. It's it's tough now because they're just dropping like flies. Levine's not making the trip, at least yeah. originally. I mean, I don't know what version of Booker, Middleton, and uh, Holiday you're getting once that, you know, between them being tired and them 
with a little bit of a letdown going here. So I don't know what kind of version of you get, but I'm, I'm sure the U.S. will win. I'm not sure uh, any betting angles, but game to game, these these games are fun and interesting to play. At not the Will Hill again. Give us the spiel one more time. Where's all the work? Vsin.com slash subscribe. Right. Will, good to talk to you, but thank you. Thank you, Will. All right, see you guys. Thank you. All right, be good, guys. Points for Weekly contributor, William Hill. Find all the work there, vcin.com slash subscribe. All right, we still have games underway. Major League Baseball, quick run-through, update you. Uh, still 3-2, bottom of the fifth inning between these two clubs, the Giants and the Dodgers West, and it is a 4 nothing lead now for the Oakland Athletics. We are heading to the final frame. The eighth inning has just ended. The Angels got three outs to make something happen. Yeah, and also uh, beware if you have the under here. Pittsburgh, Arizona has now become a sweat. Pirates get two and now still have the bases loaded in the top of the seventh. Caleb Sniff goes six and two-thirds, gives up a couple hits in this inning so he doesn't make it out. Did have seven strikeouts. The two runs now charged to him. So Arizona Diamondbacks, look, if, if you had them like I did, I think it was on Saturday against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh that bullpen, I mean, the whole team is bad, but that bullpen, they, they sh- totally shut down the Cubs on Saturday, and then they brought in uh, Joaquin Saria, and I was sorry that they brought him in because he blew the save on Saturday. So uh, hold on if you've got Diamondbacks tickets and if you've got under tickets tonight. I don't even know if I should say anything after that. I feel like we should have just gone to break after that one. You think that's, that, that wasn't good enough to be a walk-off joke, or was that of like, Okay, I wish that wouldn't have made our. I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was honestly a little bit of both. All right, well, we are. We they can't are not all done. be winners, Jamie. No, and I also have an obligation to take this another 20 seconds. Uh, so, we have a lot to get to here in the rest of the hour. I'm not going to lie. I do watch the nightcap. Treats and beats is something I'll have to be walked through here by Aaron Oster, our team producer. Yes. Uh, we have our top three draft picks as well. Uh, in terms of order, we can get the exact order. That's going to be interesting because we're like – uh, a little over a week away from the NBA draft. Like, that's going to be right upon us. Another betting event. It's the best bets for tomorrow as well. It's Nightcap here at Visa. It's time to put on your lucky pair of Crocs, baby, and channel your inner fortune teller because your prediction might just make you $10,000 richer. The Crocs Hoop Draft Prediction Challenge is coming, and we, dare we say, free to play on DraftKings.com. If the odds are in your favor, 10 Gs could be yours. Learn more at DraftKings.com slash Crocs. Is your son a Crocs wearer, JBT? Yes. Yes, Wes. He is a Crocs wearer. He loves Crocs. Who made the uh, comment uh, that I had no air in my head because I have all this knowledge in my massive medulla oblongata. Yeah, he said uh, my son watching from home said that, uh, yes, Wes does not have any hair, was told. Also, this is the best part. My son has become kind of like, okay, he gets that like when I leave and do things, that it's work, and that work equals money. Mm -hmm. And so now when it's time for me to go to work, He'll come up to me and he'll go, "You gonna go make me money?" And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> like yes, because you're am. basically who I'm spending it on here, kid. It's all it's here for, man. Like yes, you get it, and you just you just burn it away. That's all it is. Uh, but yes, I, I love Crocs. It's actually all we wear in our house. That's all we do. Crocs, Crocs, Crocs. This is brought to you by Crocs. Okay, so <laughs> let's get to treats and beats. I was explained during the break what exactly treats and beats is, so I get it. And I've got really nothing, but you do have one. 
Well, if you're looking for bad beats, I'll start with the beats because I, I'm always so positive. I got to start with the negative first, right, John? So uh, I guess the bad beat of the night really would be the Grand Salami getting canceled because that's what happens. Obviously, Grand Salami is total runs scored on the entire baseball mm, card. Let me ask you something, night. though. Like, Wes, are we sure when we look at the board right now and we see like an 18 to one or a 13 to four or a 15 to 11 or a 14 to nothing. Are we sure the grand salami would have gone over? My guess is yes. I would lean toward the yes. Uh, Don't want to necessarily step out there with that opinion, but I would lean to the yes here because you had runs just all over the place tonight. Grand salami gets canceled because the Padres and the Braves, I was actually uh following a guy that's been a guest on our network before, Kevin Roth, who does like forecasts for sporting events. And he was saying they could have got this game in and I'm going to trust the meteorologist here. I have no idea. I wasn't looking at the radar, but he was like, trust the meteorologist. If you can't, who can you trust? Not entirely. Then all hope is lost. Continue. I made your point. I interrupted your point for a bad joke. No, that's okay. I like, Hey, I had a bad one last segment. You have one. So now we're even, but yeah, I do think that that would have gone over tonight. And then obviously we still have three games pending by the way, Oakland four nothing in the top of the ninth over the angels angels with one last crack four to two diamondbacks, bottom of the seventh and bottom of the fifth in Chavez ravine three to two San Francisco. So that is my beat. Do you have a treat JVT? Uh, how about, all right, I'll make one up on the fly here. I think I get this. So let's go with my treat today, Wes, is going to be anybody who bet the Detroit Tigers against the Texas Rangers. Because when you win 14 to nothing, I feel like that is a treat in a non-sweat situation. Yes, and and the the, uh, Rangers, by the way, did get the money. A couple teams that got the money tonight that lost uh, here. The Rangers got the money over Detroit. Flip a favorites there. Never a doubter there. 14 to nothing. Also getting the money tonight were the Chicago Cubs. I guess there's still some believers that they're not going to sell there on the north side, but the Ricketts have been screaming poverty for a couple years now, so a couple of those pieces are going to get dealt here within the next week and a half, but Cardinals, no doubt, are 8-3 to over the Chicago Cubs. Uh, A split for the Minnesota Twins. Look, if you like to do that in those doubleheaders in Game 7, you got a good one here in, in the first game. Jackson Lynn was a pitching tool. The kid, uh, Jax, really pitched well in this game. Nelson Cruz with the one run off Lance Lynn, a home run. And then the Minnesota Twins get the win in eight innings. So they were about a plus 205 underdog, I believe. So that's a nice cast. So even if you bet the Twins and the underdog in both games, the worst thing you did was make a little over a unit because White Sox do walk off the Twins in the seventh. Yep. Uh, updates, too, by the way, uh, San Francisco Giants. Again, that's, that score is still the same. Bottom of the fifth, 3-2. Uh, but we are well into the pen here. Gosman only goes three. Three hits, two earned runs, struck out five, walked three guys. Zach Littell. Uh, went through one and two-thirds, struck out one, walked one, and we are back in the pen again for the San Francisco Giants here in the middle of the fifth, or the bottom of the fifth inning, I should put it that way. Uh, Dodgers, of course, into their bullpen, too, as Gonsolin went those three and a third, five hits, three earned runs, four walks. Not the greatest night for Gonsolin. And by the way, he, he doesn't have a lot of strong uh, long outings, I'll put it that way, mm-hmm. Tony Gonsolin. Uh, Gonsolin was a very good candidate uh, in the second half, too, as he started to get stretched out a little bit yes. more uh, to bet against because that command was going to be a little bit of a problem, and it shows up. 201 on the ERA going into the night for Gonsolin, 451 yep. on the XFIP. So uh, buy low and sell high, as my friend John likes to do. The Angels have life, 4-1, but a smart man once told me, nothing worse than hope. That would be Matt Eumann. <laughs> We're back here on the nightcap in a moment.
Football season's coming, folks, and our VSIN College Football Betting Guide is coming too. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule, early season trends to watch, so you have a betting edge this football season. Guide is only $19.99. Discounts are available when you buy early. Now is the time to reserve your copy. Sign up VSIN All Access. Get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at vsin.com slash subscribe. Over 100 pages of analysis. Win total analysis for every single freaking team. How about that? Check it out. vsin.com slash subscribe. Final in the book. Oakland Athletics take one from the Anaheim Angels 4-1. to one. The Angels lose a series coming out of the break to the Seattle Mariners and lose this first of a set against the Oakland Athletics. Otani, pretty good game. Pitched pretty well. Bullpen cannot hold up there into the bargain for the Halos. All right, Wes Reynolds. We are upon the NBA draft. It's another betting opportunity. Uh, we do have a little bit more coming out now in other markets. I specify other markets. Uh, other markets. Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. This is your favorite. The, again, your top three selections. We'll go here. Again, so you can. it's an index prop. The order of these selections. So, for example, you can bet the top three selections will be Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. That is the odds on favorite at minus 115. You can bet Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green at plus 235. You can get frisky. You can go Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs at plus 330, and your options are from there. As you can tell, looking at this wonderfully color-coded graphic in front of you, that Kate Cunningham not going one is pretty unlikely, yes. and you see the one in which he's not. That would be Green coming up to the first overall pick, Cunningham going second, and then Mobley third. So I would agree with one sentiment as you look at these. I do not believe that Evan Mobley is going to be going any higher than three. I was trying to pick your brain on yeah. that, too, because I was seeing, I think he was like plus, well, essentially he's plus 235 there at DraftKings. He was like two and a quarter at other markets. Uh and I was trying to see, maybe would Evan Mobley go number two? Because I think in terms, that's one of those like best available. Like some yeah. people, when they just rank guys, just in terms of raw talent, Evan Mobley's number two on a lot of draft boards. But you do have the Rockets having Christian Wood in tow. And you made the point, Daryl Morey, is he really going to draft a big guy here? Well, hey, Daryl Morey, but remember, Daryl Morey's not there anymore. It's his, it's all of his protégés in yes. the front office with the Houston Rockets. Yes. And a front office that was constructed by Morey, Right, similar trends, similar um, analysis when it comes to players and evaluation, mm-hmm. similar values in terms of what you're looking at to construct a roster. And then you just look at the roster themselves. Look, I mean, next year, you're talking about your backcourt, your starting backcourt being potentially John Wall and Eric Gordon, which, again, very solid players, especially when they were in their prime. But, but on the back nine of their career. Very back nine, right? We're talking about we're on like the 11th, 12th, 13th, maybe mm-hmm. 14th. And you need a little bit more in terms of your backcourt and some youth, right? And you started the youth movement in your front court already. You went and signed Christian Wood to a three-year deal, who is a really solid player. I think it just makes more sense when you're looking at this from perspective of team building and what you're going to spend a top pick on. In today's NBA, you're going to go for the guy. And look, Mobley's a skilled dig, and he's got more to offer than just traditional back-to-the-basket dude. Um, so I don't mean to denigrate his skill set in any way whatsoever. But I think you're you're going for a Jalen Green type who provides more in terms of adding depth to your backcourt and giving you somebody to build around in that regard, as opposed to adding an Evan Mobley type who is still pretty good. But I think you want to start the process there, given the status of your backcourt going into. Next do you year think as well. Houston has settled on Green, or do you think they would trade down here? I mean, I would think that they're. I think that they're going to be. This is just reading the tea leaves. I think these teams are settled into the top four because just the consensus around this draft is. Top four guys, top four guys, 
this is it. You wanted to get within the top four to get one of the four that were going to fall to mm-hmm. you. There'd be no reason to trade back and away from that because just the consensus analysis is that this is a loaded draft within the top, and any team to get within this top four is going to be lucky to get any one of the four that falls to them. So I don't see why Houston would want to trade back given that Right, you, you do all this wheeling and dealing, all these yeah. things to potentially get to one of these selections. It just wouldn't make much sense to trade away from the selection. If you believe the consensus top four, Cunningham, Green, Mobley, Suggs, whatever order, who would you think would kind of be the sleeper maybe to get in that top four? Because if we were talking about Scotty Barnes during the yeah. break in the lead up to this segment, and look, the Raptors have developed these type of guys. Pascal Siakam, if they elect to trade him. OG Ananobi is who this guy reminds me of. And, of course, there was Patrick Williams, who's now with the Bulls. Remember, he was the late riser in the draft, that kind of six-man guy. You know, Florida State, off the bus, they're always one of the best teams in the country. And Scotty Barnes, another long athlete. You look at Florida State and Leonard Hamilton's guys coming off the bus, and it's like, how does anybody beat these guys? <laughs> Every time, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they're going to beat the hell out of whoever they play. And then they end up kind of disappointing you in the NCAA tournament. But Scotty Barnes was maybe a guy I thought could sneak up there. It seems like Kuminga, is, I, he's not precipitously dropping, but it seems like he's yeah, dropped a at little bit. At one point, he seemed to be a rock-solid top-four guy. Yes. And now it, does, it, would, it wouldn't be insanely surprising to see a Jonathan Kaminga fall you know, to like a, a six to Oklahoma City or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like Jalen Suggs seems to have thrust himself into being the fourth guy in yeah. this pecking order. And I, I think like Toronto, so if we're talking Toronto, right, if you're talking about Toronto taking somebody that is not Jalen Suggs or if you're taking Scotty Barnes, I feel like that's dependent on trading away one of OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam, like, they're pretty much set at front-end wing depth, yeah. right? So it would depend on one of those, those guys going bye-bye, and I just don't know if that's the case. We had, Remember, we did hear the rumblings. It was Pascal Siakam uh, tied to the Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. at one point in this offseason. So if that's going to happen, I think Scotty Barnes makes sense and gets within that fourth selection. But if it doesn't, this is, again, looking at the way this roster is constructed, Kyle Lowry probably out the door, right? He is a free agent. You need that point of attack. You need a point guard to start to build around in the backcourt with a Fred Van Vliet because Fred Van Vliet is very good. But I think Jalen Suggs makes the most sense to pair with Fred Van Vliet because Van Vliet's not your lead guy. You need somebody else at the point of attack. Jalen Suggs would fit the mold pretty nicely next to a Van Vliet type. Now, who do you think is the riser kind of in this lottery? Because I've got a guy I'm targeting. I think probably the word is already out on him, though. Kind of like what Tyrese Halliburton was last year out of Iowa State. And the guy I'm looking at is Moses Moody out of Arkansas. Mm. I think I saw that his, I think it was 11 and a half. Yep. I don't know if it's been updated. Still now, 11 and a half. Okay, I kind of like the under there. I think he's a 3 and D wing. Uh, real scoring potential. I know a lot of people liked him at Arkansas last year. So a couple teams in that mix under 11, Golden State, like you mentioned, New Orleans, the Hornets, maybe could be interested in a guy like this. Moody's the guy that I've seen the widest variance on, just looking at a lot of the uh, like draft sites and consensus picks around him. So Gavoni, as you have it up here, has him going 18th. Mm-hmm. But the other sites, like NBA Draft.net, had him going 7th. Right. So there seems to be a wide range of spots for Moody. But I'll say this. He does fit like you're talking about, the 3D profile. We see guys like Sadiq Bey coming to the league, performing extremely well right from the jump, right fits in that mold too. Those guys have a place. And if you're a team right, that could use a 3D type guy consistently, sure. you know, Warriors at 7 or any one of those guys, if you're looking at some of these rosters from that point on, could definitely use them. But we also got to go, uh, do we talk about the fact that your Indiana Pacers are locked in to Corey Kispert, huh? Gotta I'm sure that's going to go very well in Indianapolis if that pick takes place. Best bets for tomorrow coming up next year on the Nightcap.
instant match searches through millions of resumes and Indeed's a database to deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly. More at Indeed.com slash credit. The dying embers of today's The Nightcap. The show will be back tomorrow. Just, you know, shows them. So we only got 15 minutes left. West Reynolds, Jonathan Von Tobel with you here today. All right, Wes, before we uh, commit to anything for tomorrow, uh, let's take one last look. NBA Finals, game number six. Milwaukee Bucks get to close it out. Giannis Antetokounmpo gets to potentially hoist his first Larry O'Brien. Bucks, a five-point favorite with a total of 222. Thoughts on the game as you look at it from the perspective of tonight's so Yeah, number is about right. We are starting to see a four and a half, though, at a faraway place. Uh, is it so a respected faraway place that rhymes with spinnacle? It is not spinnacle, even oh. though spinnacle has it juiced to the Phoenix side because Milwaukee lay in five minus a dollar two. But I do think maybe we will see a little support on Phoenix. So if, if, if you're hoping for a bigger number on the Suns, I don't think we're getting five and a half. I don't think we're getting six. Five is probably the best you're going to get at this standpoint. So if you do like that side, I'd recommend getting it now. I think this may drop a little bit. Uh, and I just, you know, I think the general betting public will gravitate towards a team that obviously is in a do-or-die situation. Yeah. But then I monitored and, and monitored social media on Saturday night after the game, and and it was, or, and I was like, Nobody's given this team a chance, but now it seems like the number has pretty much stayed stagnant where it is. Starting to see some 22 and a halves now out there on the total. Some 21 and a halves, though, at some faraway places, uh, okay. as we mentioned. So a little bit of split opinion, at least on the total, at least early on. Yeah, it's funny how that works, right? After two games, the Bucks are dead. Shovel the dirt. It's mm-hmm. all over, right? Suns, Chris Paul's deal. And then all of a sudden, you realize, hey, it's a best of seven, and other teams can make adjustments and change things. Right. And all of a sudden, the Milwaukee Bucks have won three consecutive games and are on the verge of winning a title. Yeah, I expected, like, five, seeing the opener of five and seeing where it was, kind of expected it to go in the other direction. You're, I don't understand the thinking of, well, teams up against it. They're just going to get better. Right, right. Like, right. You've had three games. Sometimes games are closeout games, and right. not every series goes seven. So if you're playing that zigzag thing, which is really – I don't have the exact numbers. It's about a 50% proposition, though, by and large, If I think, if you're playing that. Yeah, zigzag. you know, Thule, I think Thule was tracking it for a while yeah. uh, in the postseason. Uh, let's see. I'll see if I can pull it up on his Twitter account. Some years it's better than others, obviously, and we've talked about that trend a lot, too, when a team goes down 2-0, and then you're obviously paying that tax, so you got to weigh the number versus the situation because you're never getting a break on that number, right? When a team is down 2-0 going home, then you want to play them first quarter, first half, and game. That worked for about over a decade, but over the last few years, it's been a lot more toward the other side because the guys behind the counter eventually figure that out, and they're going to make you pay in that line. So looking at Thule's Twitter account, let's see. doesn't look like he's updated this recently in terms of the zigzag. Here we go. July 17th. Found it. Uh, zigzag, a.k.a. loser of the last, lost with the Suns, 1-3 ATS in the finals as of July 17th, 31-38 overall this year, 44.9%. So not quite a 50% proposition, but, you know, so look, that gets priced in. I mean, when everybody figures out a trend, that's the thing about trends, why I often say trends need to be your acquaintances and not your friend, because every trend comes to an end, as we saw on Saturday night with Milwaukee, really? uh, Going ahead and getting that win. So Chris, I told Chris Andrews the other day about this whole down to nothing thing, and he seemed really surprised. Like he had no idea about. It. 
Really? Yeah, he had no idea. And he rushed back to adjust the numbers. Had no idea. And it was not inflating <laughs> those first half lines whatsoever. Uh, that is also, obviously, sarcasm. Chris Andrews did know about that trend. Uh, but regardless, you're right. And I've, I've had many an interesting conversation around uh, that trend in and of itself. And that's all over with. We're not going to see it again until next year. Uh, but the, the willingness by some betters to turn a blind eye to the clear and obvious tax that they are paying mm-hmm. into uh, just because a couple of years ago a trend was pretty hot. Yes. And you see a lot of large sample size numbers around it. Uh, when in reality, zigzag's actually a really good example, right? You hear the zigzag theory, let's play it. Well, you're, you're down really big if you when, play the When, when everybody knows about something, that's not when you want to follow. And I see this all the time on, like, Twitter and also on different little betting forums. It's like, okay, because oh. people do that when we get to the Super Contest and the Circus Sports Million. It's like, this guy went 5-0 and last week. Now's the time to really ride him. No. It doesn't work that way because well, it's then it's like, okay, I got a guy leading the Super Contest through 10 weeks, so I got to ride him a little bit, and then he throws a one-and-four week, and then you hate the guy. Right. Well, it's also, yeah, I mean, these contests are also you're playing against stale lines. Like, there's a whole other conversation to have right. around those. Right. Um, <laughs> Which we'll be having as we get closer to the season. Yes, yes, indeed. Very excited for football contest season. Um, so I'm, I think you and I are in agreement here. Bucks are going to close this thing out tomorrow, uh, I believe. The adjust, and here's the thing to reiterate here for Milwaukee. This isn't so much anti-Phoenix. It's just the Bucks have made the adjustments yes. to exploit the weaknesses of the Phoenix Suns. And these are not issues that the Suns, I believe, and have shown through the last three games, are capable of fixing. Whether it is the transition defense, which they were dead last in the regular season, Milwaukee's exploiting them to an insane degree. For those, again, who don't know, Offensive rating in transition over 150 for the Milwaukee Bucks in this series. In the regular season, the Jazz are the most efficient offense in transition at 133.3. Mm-hmm. So again, just destroying the Phoenix Suns when they get up and down the floor, especially off of live rebounds. The other is, and this is the the, the little low-key matchup that we didn't talk about yet, the Bucks have grabbed 51.7% of yes. every available rebound. And that was in your write-up, by the way. Yep. You can catch that at vcin.com. I highly recommend Look at that. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. I'm there for you, babe. 51.7% of every available rebound, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. If you're grabbing well over 50% of every available rebound, offensive rebounding rate, well over 30% for the Milwaukee Bucks. And part of that is because they attack the glass. A layup is easier to gang rebound with your teammates as opposed to a long jumper, which is going to green off in any other direction, right, that you can't really gang rebound. The other part of this is the Phoenix Suns. How do you get a little bit better in terms of your rebounding, especially in the offensive end. You take those attempts within four feet of the basket. Yes. This is a team that finished dead last in terms of attempts within four feet of the basket, and that attempts, those attempts have gotten lower in terms of frequency the regular season. It's just, I hate using cliches, but it's just a little apt here. It is asking the Tiger to change its stripes mm-hmm. in the last round of the postseason yeah. and using that strategy that got you there, and I just don't think that's going to be the case. And you also made the observation, uh, they've rebounded about 31.5% of their missed shots in this series, so you're getting about 9.5 points and second-chance points per game as an advantage yep. over Phoenix, and it's already hard enough for them to stop these guys at the rim. They basically have DeAndre Ayton and nobody else, and this is where you really miss Sarich in this series, at least for just a body. Not that Saric is necessarily the best post defender down low, but you just don't have anybody, so no resistance there at the rim, and that's why you kind of have to take your chances, okay? Giannis, it's like you got to foul him. If he gets it in the paint, it's just like go ahead and hack him and make him go to the foul line. That's probably your best strategy defending down low. And that's the other thing about it, too, is when you look at them and what they've done defensively, 
like with Chris Paul, for example, right? And the turnovers, the issues that Chris Paul has had. And Chris Paul, by the way, was great actually over the weekend. Very quietly had a really solid game. Yeah, he did because I noticed that because it's like, is Chris Paul wearing down? What's wrong with Chris Paul? He had, I think, what was it, 21 and 11? He yeah. had a double-double, though. He had a double-double, and he had a really clutch bucket late that kept the Suns alive, right? But you're right, he had 11 assists, looked really solid. The problem is, like, when Chris Paul is on, he's able to beat up and exploit big men in those mm-hmm. one-five pick-and-roll situations. Now when you run a 1-5 pick-and-roll, you go from True Holiday to Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah. right? If you're going to yeah. run a 1-4, well, guess what? You're going to go from True Holiday to P.J. Tucker right? or Chris Middleton. Like, right. There's just so much length and size out there with this defense when they go small. And I actually agree with Kurt Heelan, which, by the way, vcin.com slash podcast shows are up there, so you can catch the interview with Kurt. You can make the argument that the Bucks should probably go smaller even more, and maybe you see it even more. In they need Giannis game. at the five like all the time, right? Here. And maybe you see it, right? This is you know this is we win this game, we win a title. Would it be surprising to see Giannis play forty minutes, Chris Middleton, all of these guys play in that range because it is time to win this competition? Yes. And I wouldn't really be surprised to see that in any way whatsoever. Yeah, not not at all. So, uh, you know, credit to Mike Budenholzer. I know a lot of us, you, myself, Aaron Rinning, our buddy who appears here on VEASAN, have been critical of this guy, and I think rightfully so, but, you know, sometimes guys get it right, and sometimes it takes some time. It was like Ty Lue. It's like the first two games of all the Clipper series, he had gotten it wrong, and then he kind of figured it out over time. Yep, absolutely. So, end of the day, yeah, I think this is going to be one in which the Bucks win, uh, but... There's been a lot of success to be had here in-game if you've been following this series throughout, especially with some of these totals. Right, I think it was game four or three. One of the Whatever one game went under um, in the, the uh, Milwaukee, I sure. think both of them went under. But regardless, you can get totals as low as 208 and a half with some of these slow starts. I brought up, what, last hour we were talking about this Milwaukee first quarter offensive rating in 97.4. They've gotten off to really slow starts from an offensive standpoint, getting used in cheaper prices from a side perspective for Milwaukee. Uh, but safe to say, yes, the big favorite at home. But I do think the Milwaukee Bucks, they've just figured this thing out, man. It, you know, When I wrote about it going back to Phoenix, that the, the Bucks were in control, they have figured this series out. Yeah, I, I think they have as well. Now, in terms of the total, I guess what I would be looking at tomorrow, you mentioned about the first quarter. And I'm noticing here at Circus Sports, 54.5 is basically the market consensus. Circus Sports juicing that to the under at minus 115. And, you know, they're taking more, I think, sharper action than a lot of other shops. So I could definitely see that tomorrow in terms of playing maybe the under first score total. Maybe a little nerves going on, and then right. eventually it explodes. You play tight. Because, look, we should remember this last game, even though it was in, like, what, 123, 119, whatever it was, there's only 92 possessions in right. there for Phoenix and only 91 for Milwaukee. Right. So, yeah, if slow start, you're going to see this the score or, yeah, this total drop uh, like a rock in terms of in-game mm-hmm. and grab something there in terms of playing that over. These third quarters have been pretty high scoring for these games as well. Uh, you know, these teams figuring this thing out and then going into the second half and performing at an absolutely high level. So, again, Bucks five-point favorite, total of 222. You said there's some five-and-a-half – or, excuse me, four-and-a-half yeah. popping up. So. I would expect this to get to four and a half by the time we reach tomorrow. If you want to lay a better number with Milwaukee, uh, you should be getting the opportunity by the time you reach tip-off tomorrow. Speaking of which, Nightcap will be back tomorrow. We won't, though. So, thank you very much for joining us. For Wes Reynolds, I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Wes Reynolds won up on Twitter, at me, JVT. you find all the work, of course, up at vcin.com. Remember, check out that college football guy. We've been working hard on it, folks. 